and welcome to Heroes of the Galaxy, a limited series where we celebrate the women of the Star Wars universe. My name is Millicent and each week I'll be joined by a special guest to talk about the story and legacy of a female character from the movies, games, books and more. This week I'm joined by Alyssa McCante, a staff writer at Games Radar who has written extensively on Star Wars alongside individual episode reviews of the final Clone Wars season. Today, however, she's joining me to talk about the one and only Admiral Amalyn Holdo. Born on the planet Gatalenta, Holdo served as an apprentice of the Imperial Senate, which is where she first met Princess Leia of Alderaan. The pair became fast friends, and Holdo later joined Leia as a member of the Rebel Alliance and eventually became a Vice Admiral in the fight against the First Order. Holdo made an incredible sacrifice when she became commander of the cruiser Ninka, piloting it into light speed right through Supreme Leader Snoke's flagship. She saved hundreds of lives that day, and allowed the Resistance transports time to escape. So, without further ado, let's get talking to our guest about this fantastic character. Alyssa, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, Millicent. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So we like sort of work together, technically not really, but like I <laughs> met you through Games Radar and I'm a big fan of your writing and you're very into Star Wars and the Clone Wars particular, I'm pretty sure, right? Yes. Just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a wee, wee bit. Yeah, I'm glad Games Radar brought us together, though, because they're, um, strangely enough, even though it's like a big group of really cool ladies in gaming, there's not anyone else on the team that's super into Star Wars. So That is just a travesty. And I think, you know, you should take that with management personally. But, um, <laughs> so this episode is, you know, this podcast is just about celebrating women in Star Wars and also, you know, the women who come on, it's just as much about celebrating them. So we'll talk a bit about your work as well in a little bit. But first of all, let's just start. If you can take me back, what was your first experience with the Star Wars universe? Tell me a bit about it. This is an odd backstory because um, I'm the child of jocks. <laughs> and I'm a little, I am one myself, but I was also really into nerdy things and but my parents had never watched Star Wars movies. Um, and I really wanted to see, I believe the first prequel I wanted to see was um, Attack of the Clones. And my dad was like, I do not want to go to the movie theater to see this. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, even before that, I was Padme for Halloween at, I think I was nine. That picture is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even know who she was because I had never seen anything. I just knew she was in Star Wars and I saw her little picture on the plastic case for the costume when we went costume shopping. And I was like, I need to be that. <laughs> and I didn't know who her character was, but I just walked around all night on Halloween acting like a little bit of a bratty princess, which really isn't pad pay, but. <laughs> and then um, when I was 13, Revenge of the Sith came out and then I could had a little bit more ability to convince my father to take me to the theater and we went. And so the first Star Wars movie I saw start to finish was Revenge of the Sith. Amazing. Which is bizarre. And then uh, for Christmas, I asked for all of the DVDs. And that was when they did the initial release, um, the DVD release where George Lucas went in and added some of the CGI stuff, like this, 
the sliced noodle stuff in Return of the Jedi and all those questionable <laughs> things. So my first experience with Star Wars is like one that might make a lot of purists really angry. But I mean, obviously, and then I was obsessed with Hayden Christensen for most of my childhood. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it we just grew it. and changed. Yeah. We've talked about on a few episodes, actually, that this kind of like gatekeeping aspects of even people who come in it uh, come into it from the sequels will get a lot of like you know you're not real fan you know you say purists and stuff so it's interesting that even coming in from one of the prequels you you're kind of scared of that backlash because it seems to be that strong in the community which is a shame I suppose I know and I it also has to do a bit with I'm, I'm a little bit on the older end um and I'm 30. Not that anyone can see me. So just I don't <laughs> think I'm like, just like, I look like Maz Kanata talking to you right now. <laughs> um, but like, there's a lot of people who are like, well, I watched them when I was a kid. And, you know, I was little and watching, you know, Empire Strikes Back and stuff like that. And um, to me, it's just like, I said to myself, I like Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I'm going to love Star Wars in the way that I love it, in the order that I want to watch it. And then, you know, I was 22 and went and got a, a a rebel cat tattoo and was like well now anyone who wants to st- talk shit at me i'm gonna be like well where's the star wars tattoo then it's just such a exactly. fan where's the permanent kind of source of dedication i've got two of them now so i'm just racking them up incredible <laughs> um so when you obviously were obsessed with the prequels after that instance and you went back and watched the originals when it came to 2015 and we got the force awakens what was it like revisiting that world on the big screen well, it was interesting because I was living in the UK at the time, um, and it was my first experience at a theater that like served food and alcohol. So, <laughs> you not um, have that over there? We did. We've done it. We do it more in the states now, but mm-hmm. like back when I was younger, it was just kind of like popcorn, and that was it. Um, there wasn't like full meals or like booze at all. Yeah. So I remember going, and it was right when I got my tattoo in 2015, right before. Um, right before The Force Awakens came out. And I just remember I wore like galaxy print leggings and I was just like (laughs) head to toe ready to go. And I was just so, the difference in seeing something like where you're you're bringing to the table everything that you understand about it. And then like obviously having just rewatched everything leading up to it, it was absolutely incredible to see just how much better it looked visually. And also to see what was obviously sent, starting to center around a woman. Like it was just, it was almost unbelievable for me at a certain point. I was just kind of like, this is really what's happening. This is the plan. Like we're going this way. This is great. <laughs> so I think it was, I mean, it was super exciting to be like, actually for the first time watching those movies as they happen. Yeah. Pretty I cool. suppose being a part of it as they kind of progress and getting to be there for the build up and the excitement and the teasers and the trailers, it's like entirely different from, you know, revisiting them as a kid, finding your dad's old DVDs or something like that, right? It's totally different. And it's it's different to like I remember when I went to go see then I saw the The Last Jedi and it was like there was a full Kylo cosplay just like stalking the hallways <laughs> in the movie theater. And I was just like, this is what we come to these like theaters for this is why we go see Star Wars and that never got a chance to see what it was like in theaters until then and then to be like older and fully aware of how cool this was I mean the closest I got to it before that was like probably going to see Harry Potter in theaters um as they came out and already being obsessed with them but it was definitely really really cool to see it kind of play out in front of me Mm. so what is your favorite thing then about being a Star Wars fan Oh God, I think um, the conversations that you can have with people 
just the, the it's there's an un, almost unlimited store of stuff that you can talk about whether it's like the other night trying to drunkenly convince my roommate that she needed to watch clone wars even though she's not a star wars fan at all <laughs> like at all um just how much you can pull from star wars into conversations with anyone that you're talking about people who have like a casual i mean sometimes i end up just talking over people who aren't really into it but i can still <laughs> do it forever i guess it's just that it's that ability to feel like everyone kind of shares an understanding of it and a love for it even if it's just a surface understanding that oh star wars is really big yeah. um people get still they still get super intrigued when you tell them even if they don't like star wars you know in passing that oh yeah, did you know that this character has been in all of the movies played by the same, you know, they just get really interested about its legacy. So I think my favorite thing about like loving Star Wars is just that there's so much to love. I mean, yes, there's things that you don't love, but there's just so much to pull from and so many conversations that can be had. And I just love talking to people. So there's so many nights where I'll be talking to my partner or one of my friends and it'll just be this like spiral of a conversation that started off questioning, you know, where's Mas Kanata from? And it turns into this really long drawn out convo about like time travel and whether that's actually <laughs> happening. And I think I love that. Like Star Wars is this little central point and the things that come off of it are just endless. And how have you found being like part of the community and like the friends you've made through being a Star Wars fan? Do you find it's like impacted your life in that way? Um, I think it's helped me find a lot of things that maybe I wasn't um, paying attention to as much. Like I just bought um, Dark Disciple and the Ahsoka short, the Ahsoka YA novel because my friends on Twitter were like, if you like Asajj Ventress, you should read Dark Disciple. Oh my God. And <laughs> I think that sharing of knowledge is really interesting and really cool. And also just like, especially being very much online, especially right now, it's really great to kind of like see someone share something really cool in Star Wars and reply to them and have a conversation back and forth. Um, with my Clone Wars stuff, since I was doing reviews for Games Radar, it was really cool to kind of get some feedback on it from people who were really excited about what was going on and just see that like there's people who are my age stuck in their homes watching cartoons at like half eight in the morning on a Friday, like we're kids again. <laughs> so being a part of the community, I mean, yes, it has its, it certainly has its downfalls. I get a lot of forced mansplaining and um, those fun things. But I think, especially now, feeling like a, a 30 year old woman who is watching so many women or non-binary people or LGBTQ member communities, like community members, excuse me, um, seeing them all embrace Star Wars and feel like they have a space in the community and they can talk about it is huge. And I think that has a lot to do with the inherent conversation and core theme of Star Wars, just being opened up to more people. And that's probably the best thing I've seen lately. I love that. I love that so much. Um, so this episode obviously is about Admiral Holdo, who takes over from Leia during the whole resistance kind of struggle in The Last Jedi. Tell me, what were your first impressions when we meet Holdo for the very first time? Um, well, obviously, I love Laura Dern, um, mm -hmm. which was just great casting, and it was really great to see her. I think that I had gone in there... I, I went in cold. I, had, I did not read um, the book by Claudia Gray, that introduces her character before The Last Jedi came out. It came out a couple of months before. So I went in cold and was just like, oh my God, that's Laura Dern. And then I was <laughs> like, 
oh my God, her outfit's so great. <laughs> so I loved her look and I loved how severe, like severely intent and, and her intention was very obvious and very clear, but she was also like fabulous looking while she was like kind of just imparting this justice. And I was like, this is the kind of like lady Star Wars character I am super into. Um, but I was just rewatching it in preparation. And I realized that like, they really were trying to make us think that she was a bad guy initially because they okay. very quietly play um, the villain theme when she first talks to Poe. And I was joking that like it's definitely playing in his head because he's like <laughs> not letting me do what I want. But <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, um, but she's. I mean, I loved. I loved her. I loved seeing like an older Hollywood actress in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing air quotes in case. <laughs> um, and I think it was just like her on the bridge. She was there with like multiple female characters that were giving her information, and she was bouncing off of them. And it was it was super super cool. I was very excited to see her. It's interesting that you say about like the villain theme and stuff. Cause I remember, so in 2017, I was a very different person. <laughs> we <then> all were. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I didn't like the last Jedi at first. And one of my main gripes with it, I think was the whole kind of conflict between her and Poe. I kept thinking this would never have happened if she'd have just told him her plan. Like if she didn't keep it from him, he wouldn't have like done this whole thing and made everything like, you know, fall to ruin. But now looking back when I rewatch it and like, you know, I've grown a bit, I've learned a bit more about feminism and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And I'm just like, she shouldn't have to tell him her plan. He should respect her authority. Like it's that simple. And yeah. I, just, I only started thinking that way recently. It's very Yeah, I think that's, I think that's also like, there's a lot of layers that we could, we could peel back about like yeah. internalized misogyny when you watch movies. Cause like, I mean, I used to just hate Kristen Stewart, blanket hate Kristen Stewart <laughs> because I didn't like how she played Bella in Twilight and I wanted to be with Robert Pattinson. Of course. Like, you know, and I was like, she's a bad actress and she's so boring. And I was like, you know, 18 in, in college drunk at a party saying why I could be a better Bella Swan. It's like, stop. But I think that is definitely like, you can definitely read it that way at first, especially because Poe is Poe and like you're obsessed with Poe. Poe was so great in The Force Awakens and he's like this cavalier, you know, say, like he can come and save you and get out of these crazy pinches and you can't believe that he can do it. And he's also Oscar Isaac and he has a great butt and it's like, why <laughs> he can just, he can do no wrong. But like, yeah, when you rewatch it, it's literally like, calm down. You just made like a decision that was terrible why would I want to give you any sort of information on what we're doing going forward? Because you literally just lost our entire bombing fleet because you wanted to like prove a point and have like big boy explosion. Mm. So I definitely see that. And you weren't alone and you were probably far more tempered than a lot of other people (laughs) who still to this day, like going through the Reddit boards are like, I hate her. She's such a brat. She's such a bitch. I hate her purple hair. It's like, okay, okay, guys. Like, and I think that was a great thing. I mean, I think that's like a Ryan Johnson, like, that's Ryan Johnson being Ryan Johnson. Like, he's like, here's this older woman that's like, listen, hot headed young fly boy. Like, we're not telling you everything because who are you? Like, yeah. I love literally. that about her. 
Because yeah. like, she is the one that Leia has left in charge. She is the one who is making the decisions and is in charge of keeping everyone safe. And she doesn't need this like hotshot pilot coming in and being like, okay, so what can I do? What do you need from me? And she's like, nothing. And then he can't handle that. He can't handle mm-hmm. not being the one at the front of everything. And I think it's really interesting because I think it was bold of Ryan to make Poe that way, especially like to make him somewhat unlikable. But, you know, you still root for him and you still love Poe, but giving him these flaws was really interesting. And I think when you mentioned the purple hair as well, with Holdo, they seem to have made her really distinctly feminine on purpose. Mm -hmm. She's in this beautiful, very, like, tight-fitting dress. It's, like, floor length. Beautiful, pink, purpley, curled hair, but she's still a leader. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you can be a beautiful woman and show yourself, like, present as a feminine, beautiful woman and still be a very strong leader. And yeah, I just, I keep looking back and I'm thinking how amazing she is. (laughs) She's great. I mean, she has full nails. Like she's Mm -hmm. giving you full fantasy the entire time. Like she's got nails done, hair done, cute little hair piece in, a little bit of lipstick. Like she looks, (laughs) she looks great. But what's super interesting is like, that's her, that's always been her. Like in Leia Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray, she like completely kind of shirks her home planet's way of dressing. And she's like, I want to dress really loud and I want to dye my hair to match my clothes. And she is described by Claudia herself as like somewhat of like a Luna Lovegood. Like she's weird. She's weird and she's, um, she's a bit of like a, Laura Dern called her like a hippie. Like Ryan Johnson was basically like, she's kind of like a hippie and she's like barefoot sometimes or she'll wear like the wrong footwear to go do something. And like Leia didn't even like her when she first met her. So I kind of like that idea of like a woman that isn't beloved universally from the jump because how many male characters do we get in Star Wars or anywhere that are a little bit grating or a little bit tough or a little bit of a jerk or not super nice to your favorite character, but we don't immediately malign and hate them because that's just not the way our society is built. We're kind of like, well, justification for behaving like this X, Y, Z instead, you know, with Holdo, you get situations where we were automatically like, wait, why is she acting like this to Poe? She's not being nice or, Leia saying flat out in, in Leia Princess of Alderaan that basically like she's weird. <laughs> and I remember Bail Organa was like, yeah, don't judge people right away. Maybe. Wise words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it turns out that like, I don't think it's like officially canon and no one's flat out said it, but she's basically like as close as you can get in a conversation to like being autistic. Okay. Like she, she's force sensitive, but she... And that's confirmed, but she doesn't use the force and she's like a bit of a savant with it. So she just comes off very strange and odd and has trouble communicating with people. Mm-hmm. And I find that really interesting too and really important because like there's not a lot of female characters written in the, in the universe, let alone the Star Wars universe that are, you know, canonically neuroatypical yeah. and also in leadership positions. For sure. And just going back a bit to what you said about, you know, in the books, how she's presented as like a bit of a weirdo, a bit of a hippie, and she does she dresses a certain way and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that we recognize that whole thing. And then when it comes to her place in the resistance with Leia, none of that should detract from the respect she deserves as a leader. 
And I really like that apart from Poe, the entire resistance <laughs> seems to just respect her position. When she's given that position, they're like, okay, Leia put her hair. She has earned it. She has got my respect. It doesn't matter that she's dressed a certain way or looks a certain way. And I, I really like that. And now I really want to read that book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, super, it's super, I, I think it's, she is like low key, one of the coolest characters in, um, in the sequels. Uh, because she really is like so unexpected and so there's so many layers to her. And even in that brief bit that you get of her in the film, you know that there's something different about her, but the book coming out before it, I think not everybody reads the, the Star Wars novelizations, but there's, it's really interesting to like, she was described as like an oddball and to have her end up being in such a position of power to the point where, like, Poe is like, wait, the Battle of the Chiron Belt, Admiral Holdo? Like, he's like, who? This is a big deal lady. And I think he didn't expect her. He said flat yeah. out, he's like, not what I expected. I did not expect, like, floor-length gown fabulousness from, you know, a proven military leader, yeah. which I love, because why can't we be like that? Exactly. Why can't we? Especially oh, in Star it. Wars. <laughs> Anything should go in Star Wars. That's a hundred percent. I love it. And she apparently like, and it's not clear because I've tried to find it. Like the Chiron belt is like, it's not a good, no one knows exactly what it was, but she has like proven to be really brilliant in her military maneuvers before the last Jedi. Yeah. So I, I just love that. Yeah. And even in the last Jedi with, what her plan ultimately came to be is maybe my favorite moment or one of my favorite moments in like all of Star Wars when like the sound just disappears for a moment and she you know goes into hyperseed right through the ship and the, at the same time the lightsaber and the kyber crystal snaps and it's just like oh my god <laughs> it was it's incredible so good. her sacrifice is incredible um, is. and I'm wondering leading up to that what do you think it is about Holdo that makes her such a good leader um, I mean, there's a willingness to sacrifice, obviously. Um, and then there's this, she sees a much bigger picture than the immediate scenario. And that's kind of like, I think Poe's life, life lesson in that moment. And maybe a lot of people's lessons where Poe's mm -hmm. like, we should be fighting. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. The ship, the ship, the ship. And she's like, it's so much bigger than the ship. Yeah. There's a, there's a planet here. There's crate. We're going to go there. But it also has to do with, like, Leia says to Poe that, you know, her, her mission and her only thing that she wanted to do in that moment was to protect the light. And she didn't care that she, like, she didn't care about looking like a hero in that process. Mm -hmm. And, like, Laura has said that basically she was, like, protecting ryan johnson's sort of thesis of the last jedi which is like the democratization of the force this idea that like everyone has a little bit of the force in them the broom boy thing of mm. everyone can be force sensitive and utilize it in some way and it's not just it's not lineage only it's not you're born with it only um and i think what makes her a great leader is she's keenly aware of the way that the force works in the universe and what it means is a bigger picture for everyone and the resistance and she's willing to do something that not a lot of other people would do in order to protect it. And that was like, um, a lot of people were saying like, oh, if we could do that hyperspeed jump, 
why wouldn't, you know, through a ship, why wouldn't people be doing that, you know, all the time in Star Wars? Like mm-hmm. they were kind of trying to undercut that and say, you know, a lot of like logistics that would never work. Um, but how many other people would actually do that is really the question. Yeah. yeah, sure. Maybe technically you could all like hype, like go into hyperspeed and jump through a destroyer, but how would you, you know? Yeah. Because it ended her life, didn't it? That was her ultimate sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So that comes into play. If they were going to do it all the time, people would be dying left, right, and center. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it'd be a lot of short movies. Yeah, literally. But what's super interesting is she actually, like, uh, I think I read it in, like, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> it, it's probably in, because I didn't finish uh, Princess of Alderaan. I have too many books. It's kind of sad. <laughs> um, but um, she uses that like a version of that maneuver, the holdo maneuver before. Oh, okay. But it's different. Um, she like blows a hole in the side of a ship and then jumps through that hole. Oh, right. So she like safely goes into high yeah. speed that so way. So <laughs> she's like, I know how to do this, but this time I'm going to do this yeah. in a way where I'm not going to be okay at the end of it. I think it's great. I think it's such a smart, I mean, and also to have like that moment where Leia is kind of explaining to Poe, like, you are so hot-headed and determined and sure that you were right. Like, this this woman has just died for what she believes in. I mean, now how do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> like, think about what you did. <laughs> Liter- literally. And also, like, not to mention that, like, the whole battle of crate that ended up happening, like, arguably happened because Poe was like, I'm gonna help Rose and Finn get get onto the Imperial ship. And then uh, Benicio Del Toro's character is like, I've ratted you out and now they know about the transports because I heard your yeah. phone call. Like, they wouldn't have known about the transports if Poe didn't, you know, try and figure out his own way to be a hero on the sideline. Yeah. He's, like, constantly trying to undermine anyone who isn't Leia, really, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he's like, I have respect for one woman. One woman only. <laughs> one woman only. It's my mommy issues. Just one. <laughs> um, speaking of Leia, I'm curious um, as to what you think about Holdo and Leia's relationship, especially as you read a couple of the books as well, which kind of explores that a bit more. Do you want to talk a bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's great that Leia was kind of like, this lady's weird when they're younger, but they grow and have like a, a very important kinship, especially because Holdo finds out that uh, the Organas are involved directly in the rebellion. And she's like, I'm not going to tell anybody, but like, I want to get in on that. <laughs> like she's She's super into the idea of it. And her and Leia are in um, basically like mock Senate. They're in like apprentice legislator together, which is like they had it during the time of the Republic. But the um, the Empire was like, yeah, we're still doing that. Like bring your kids to the Senate. They'll learn how to be senators. Is that like Everything. Model UN or something? It's literally <laughs> that. Yeah, it's literally. I think Padme was like involved in it when she was young as well. That's um, so cool. And they're in that together and they do like, you know, learning about the government. And then they also go on like wildlife missions and they like become friends in that process. And I think you can see that they have different approaches to things and they might have different ideas on how to handle themselves. But that final scene between Leia and Holdo is like heartbreaking because it's sort of these two older women who have lost so much and who have probably spent who have definitely spent their entire lives not only involved in a a rebellion against a horrible empire, but like constantly having to justify why you should listen to them. Yeah. So they're both so damn tired. Like they're, (laughs) they're exhausted and they've lost so much. And like Leia says, like, I don't, I can't take any more loss. 
and you could tell that she's thinking about it in the in strictly in losing Holdo, like her friend. And Holdo's like, yeah, you know, you taught me how to do that. You can take more. Like, you can handle more. I love that scene so much. It's so beautiful. And it's acted so well. Like, Laura, Laura Dern has, like, her face is doing so much work in this yeah. movie. Like, she's she has moments where you're just, you're watching her, everything going through her head. And it's, it's written all over her face. And I think she was perfect casting for it. Mm-hmm. But that is that, it's this beautiful dynamic of, like, women who have lost everything who are willing to lose more mm-hmm. for the sake of something bigger than them. And I think that's a quality that giving that to two older actresses is, I just love that they did that. <laughs> so we talked about Leia and Holdo and everything like yeah. that. And now I want to talk a bit more about you and your relationship again. Woo! So what, so what female character in Star Wars do you feel most connected to and why? Ah, uh, um, gosh, I'd like to turn around and be like, I like Ahsoka. I mean, Ahsoka is <laughs> my favorite character, but I think she's a better person than I am. Um, I think in terms of most connected to, it's almost like probably Padme because I, I definitely have put myself in a position where I've done a lot of work and I've become this successful person. And then I've been like, this really hot broken guy is like absolutely what I want right now. Cause I see there's good in there, but it might ruin my life. And I think that Padme's kindness, even in the face of what might be a horrible idea, what ended up not being a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was a good idea. There's a whole argument I could get into about how <laughs> Anakin would have been fine if we just would have done whatever. But Padme's probably um, who I align myself with the most in terms of how I am uh, emotionally. I think maybe Ahsoka and I have the same ideas and like stubbornness. And I definitely mm-hmm. am as snarky as she is. Brilliant. And you've been obviously reviewing the Clone Wars for Games Radar each episode. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you could sum up your feelings about this whole last season, because I know it's been a long time coming for fans of the Clone Wars. Yeah, I think um, the Clone Wars to me is some of the best Star Wars storytelling. Um, It does so much more work for the characters from the prequels than the prequels do. and there's a whole list of reasons why the prequels don't work in terms of uh, giving us a better understanding of the failure of the Jedi and Anakin's tragedy. But I think having this final season of the Clone Wars with more Disney money behind it, so it looked a lot better, um, with them trying new things like mo-capping Ray Park for the mall fight, it's just been incredible to kind of see um, a cartoon that so succinctly tells the story of what caused this world to collapse and what caused the events that you know from all the other Star Wars movies, like what really happened there. And to give us more of an understanding of the key figures in the Clone Wars, like the Clone Wars actually makes the clones people. It humanizes them. And in the movies, they're just, you know, they're all, they're all just Jango Fets. And you're just kind of like, 
okay, well, I don't really get him. And there, but there's a bond that some of the Jedi have with their clones and um, like their clone troopers. And it's just, it does a lot of lifting, heavy lifting to, to bridge that gap between the prequels and the original trilogy and even beyond that. So it was really, really cool to finally get it because we've been waiting for it for so long mm-hmm. and to have it be as good as it was. It was honestly like amazing. I didn't want it to end. Is it like done now for good? Is, mm-hmm. is it ever? That's sad. It, it is. <laughs> um, it is. But I think that I think that there's. Um, I think that there's an Ahsoka. I think there's an Ahsoka spinoff happening. Live think, action. Like, yeah, live action with Rosario. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I firmly believe that that is. That the female-centric quote-unquote exa- that yeah. they're talking about. <laughs> and to have her in Mando, like I, I've said before, like I think I was like six glasses of wine in the other night where I was like, Rosario Dawson is not putting on all that makeup <laughs> and prosthetics for one episode. Mm-hmm. And then they're also bringing, they've, they've hired a couple of other, um, they've cast a couple of other characters from Rebels and Clone Wars. I just think it's going to happen. And it's yeah. good. It should happen. I think Ahsoka's one of the strongest um like embodiments of the force that star wars has ever had so i'm really curious as to how she would look live action because she's got such a distinct kind of animated style and i'm yeah. like would that look really strange or out of place in real life i'm it, really interested it's, to see what they do it's weird because it's also like i don't want to sound like i'm disparaging anybody but it's very hard to get ahsoka right in in um real life mm-hmm. if her um if you don't have like the ratio of like head to tail space right, mm-hmm. she looks crazy. And, and so like I've even seen the eyes that yeah. huge. Well, yeah, her eyes are huge, which obviously they wouldn't be able to do. I mean, you've seen like kind of like they have like a live action Twi'lek and um, they have a little girl to Gruden in Attack of the Clones. Um, but if you like when people cosplay as Ahsoka, if they don't get like the forehead to start of the tail ratio, right. Or like width and length of the tail to their actual body Mm -hmm. size, right. It looks mad. Like it just looks wonky as hell. So, and I don't want to sound like a dick, but the Twi'leks in this first season of the Mandalorian, like they looked janky. They did not look that good. It was, um, what's her name? The chick who plays, uh, I love her. Is it Natalie? Maybe I'm making that up. No, Natalia Tena. Natalia uh-huh. Tena is a Twilight in the first season of Mandalorian. And like, this doesn't look that good. So I really, I hope that they do it right. I mean, it would be hard. Also, her skin tone is really bizarre. Yeah. Like, it, she's orange. So either you go like full orange and she looks strange or you go like some weird closer to skin tone orange at least it's a little better with someone like rosario dawson who's a person yeah. of color so yeah i think the not... last thing we want is a white ahsoka Tana. yeah that just doesn't really work and mm-hmm. it, it like when you see people doing cosplay as her uh, speaking as someone who's always wanted to do it if you go too um natural looking in the orange tone it like comes off a bit odd it's like you're doing yeah. kind of brown face and so we don't need that we do not need that yeah so whatever happens, let's hope that she looks good on screen. Please, <laughs> just like maybe send us some pictures and we can be like, let's. Yeah, we'll guys. vet it for you. We'll they give you our feedback. They have to know. Yeah, like they, they'll probably be a lot more careful with this because she is such a beloved character. I mean, can you imagine the tragedy of if it just looked like a janky Ahsoka Tano? Yeah. 
that everyone finally waiting for her. I mean, she, there was rumors she was going to be in Tross, mm-hmm. um, but it just ended up being Ashley Eckstein's voice. But it, it, mm, the, the feedback, it, it would not be good. good. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be good if she just looked like some absolutely like melted Ahsoka Tano. Yeah. Please don't do this. And also the whole kind of bridging the gap thing that you mentioned with Clone Wars is really cool because like I haven't watched all of Clone Wars. I think I've watched the first half of season one so far, but I'm getting through it when I can. But I have played Jedi Fallen Order, which is maybe my favorite Star Wars story ever. And I saw this supercut of Order 66 happening in the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith and Jedi Fallen Order and all happening at the same time. And it was so emotional. <laughs> right? Right? Like Order 66 so means so much more when you when you play Jedi Fallen Order or when you watch the Clone Wars because it's like in the movies again, it's just like here's a million Tamira Morrisons, the guy who plays Jango Fett, and like they're all like they're just they always have their helmets on at a certain point. And when Order 66 happens, you're just kind of like Oh man, okay, so they're bad. But like yeah. in in the Clone Wars, it's like they have names, you know, they're Rex, Echo, Fives, they're people, and you're like, what's going on? Mm. <laughs> and and there's a scene where Rex is, you know, trying to fight the the chip in his head, and he's just like got a tear rolling down his face, and you're like, This is horrible. This is yeah. terrible. Yeah, the Clone Wars does a much better job of, like, getting you to, like, seriously understand the stakes of the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And even when I did play Jedi Fallen Order, I'd only seen Revenge of the Sith once at that time, and it was only recently as well. And I still didn't fully understand what Order 66 was. I had to pause the game and message my friend who's, like, a Clone Wars expert. And I was like, can you explain to me what the whole Order 66 thing is? I don't know what's going on. The Clone clone Troopers have just started killing people. And she's like, oh, okay, so this. And then she gave me a whole rundown. And then when Cal, like, high fives the clone trooper and then like 10 minutes later he watches his master die in front of him and is just like running for his life from these people who have trained him up as a padawan i was heartbroken like yeah. it adds so much weight it really does is, yeah it's really good and i'm very excited to get to the final season eventually <laughs> the the i will say this and like like dave filoni i love you but the first few seasons of the clone wars are the weaker ones it gets mm-hmm. it gets a lot better as it goes on i trust um, you yeah, it's, I mean, it's just like, there's some episodes, like, you're going to get to this one that's like an arc um, on this planet called Mortis that's like this crazy, cool, philosophical argument about the Force, where there's like anthropological, um, like, functions, like, of the Force. Like, there's a, a, a creature that represents light and a creature that represents dark on this planet, and they, like, mm-hmm. are held together by their father, who's the balance, and it's like, it's yeah. really beautiful. They do a lot of cool stuff with it. So you're, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay. Um, so to close out, I have Yay. five quote unquote rapid fire questions <laughs> for you. Um, but you know, we can take as long as we want. And it's going to start with number one. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? Ah! <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, fuck it. Last Jedi. Okay, good choice. <laughs> uh, question two, your favorite line in all of Star Wars? Any line of dialogue? They fly in, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 so uh, I actually had that happen because we're, we're living where there's like stink bugs and I didn't know that they fly. <laughs> and like one flew past my head and I w- like, screamed at my partner, they fly now. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think I like... Uh, Obi-Wan's final words to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, the whole, like, 
you were meant to bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. You are my mm. brother, Anakin. That's his that. Tyra Banks speech. We were rooting I know. for you. We were all rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. There's also a Padme line that I love where the, something about democracy dying to the sound of thunderous applause. Yeah. That's really great. And then I think actually um, my ultimate, ultimate, ultimate favorite is I have to look it up right so I get it completely exact. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's Yoda's scene in The Last Jedi um, when Luke is like burning the tree and he has this moment where he's like, I failed and this sucks. And Yoda says, um, pass on what you have learned, strength, mastery, but weakness, folly, failure also. Failure, most of all, the greatest teachers, failure. And I think that that's such a great concept like that that Yoda and Luke scene is one of the strongest I think in any of the movies yeah when I rewatched The Last Jedi for this podcast I I got a bit emotional at that scene it was so so moving because I think the first time I saw that in the cinema when Yoda came on I was like oh my god this like CGI force ghost situation it doesn't look right (laughs) yeah now you know my relationship with Star Wars has changed so much these past two years and when he came on, I was like overcome with emotion. I was like, Yoda's here. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I know. And he's just so great. And he's kind mm-hmm. of this great amalgamation of like the Yoda from the prequels and the Yoda from the original trilogy. Because like the yeah. Yoda from the original trilogy is a, a fucking troll. Like he's like, mm, food, mm, bothering you. Like he's like, he's gone like a bit crazy from just like sitting in a Dagobah swamp. But like he's, Yoda's like supposed to be a little bit mischievous and supposed to be fun. And so like when Luke and when Luke kind of like plays tricks on Ray, they cut a whole scene out of the last Jedi where like Luke, the, they're having like a, a festival in the village, like all those weird turtle nuns and, <laughs> turtle nuns. <laughs> and like Ray's like, Oh my God. Cause she like sees fire and he's like, Oh, what are you going to do? And she goes like <laughs> running, like sprinting to it. Like she's going to save everyone. And she like lands in the village and she's like, Oh, they're having a party. And <laughs> Luke starts laughing at her. And I remember people being like, why is Luke like this in The Last Jedi? And I'm like, he's like Yoda, dude. He's like messing around and being like, I'm this weird old man that's been alone for too long. But like, I understand what's important in the world probably more than you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I love The Last Jedi, man. Yeah. I, I find it so interesting, the amount of backlash Luke's art got. And I still see comments all over Facebook and Twitter on any Star Wars content, whether like they ruined Luke, he's not the hero he should be. I can't believe they've done this to him. And I think the last Jedi version of Luke is the best version of Luke. The, that's where he's supposed to be going. And I think I yeah. think there's a bit of I think there's a whole conversation that could be had that like if you watch Clone Wars or if you if you take the Star Wars canon and, and George Lucas's initial initial like um inspiration and you just mm-hmm. take it all and, and take a second. Like there's the Buddhist ideologies and this idea of balance and all of these things. And like the whole concept of the prequels, even though there's so much more lightsaber fights and there's so much more epicness, is that like the Jedi are wrong. Yeah. And they're not using their power in the right way. And they've kind of bastardized their understanding of the force and they've become this messed up kind of like extremist group. <laughs> like if you think about it, it's like, hello, orphan child. Like we're going to take you and be like, don't have feelings. And mm. like that's, but like it, at the end of Return of the Jedi, like Luke chooses not to like give in to this 
overwhelming desire for revenge. And he has more of like a Buddhist pacifist stance. Like there's a moment of just like acceptance and he has, yes, he fights Vader and all that stuff, but like he lets go of that. And it's very clear that that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's very clear also by the end of that, that he's like kind of like lost in his thoughts. Yeah. It makes perfect sense that he would then turn on to be like, I tried to train people in the way that I felt the force was and it didn't work. And now I'm just going to go hide on a, a weird rock planet. Mm-hmm. And I think people just think and reflect. <laughs> that's like the whole point is like the force. That's why I like what Ryan Johnson did with it. Cause I mm-hmm. think the whole idea that it could be anyone who has it and anyone who utilizes it and understanding it is so much more complex than just being like swinging a lightsaber and doing this. Yeah. And, there's so much more conversation to be had in the force. Like, yeah, it's cool that they're like samurai warriors, but the whole point is they're supposed to be like monks. Yeah. <laughs> they're supposed to be like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Please, no. That's why like crazy <laughs> lightsaber battles or Yoda using a lightsaber. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I suppose that segues somewhat nicely into my next question, <laughs> which is what is your favorite lightsaber battle or just any sort of battle? Um, so the Clone Wars Ahsoka and Darth Maul is insane. Um, but that's because it's mo-capped entirely, like huge sections of it. Um, but my favorite lightsaber battle is the, the throne room. Yeah. And that is just so beautiful. And the stuff that they do with sabers, turn them on and off and stuff Mm -hmm. is just cool. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. And you could tell like, um, Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley, like they trained like mad for it mm-hmm. because the, the way that they work together in that and how the, I love seeing different styles and stances in, in lightsaber battles. Like, yeah, I want to be like their pacifist, but I still love watching a badass lightsaber battle. Mm-hmm. And Adam Driver's kind of like really hunky, like hunked down and like crazy sort of feral animal way of fighting is just great. So good. That's my favorite by far. Good choice. I agree with you. you. (laughs) Um, And what would you love to see next in Star Wars, whether it's a book, another game, another movie? What do you want to see? Other than Ahsoka live action, um, I think it'd be cool to... I don't know if Jedi Fallen Order, because obviously there's going to be more games in that. I don't know if I necessarily want to see more Cal or if I want to see like another story of finding that space between, you know, the Jedi at their peak and, you know, the fledgling remains of whatever Mm -hmm. that may be. Um, I'd like to see another really good Star Wars video game, maybe with um, an alien female lead. Mm -hmm. That would probably be ideal. I know that they were they balked at the idea of making Cal uh, a woman because I think they were saying like, well, we have Daisy Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> like too many girls. So we only have, have one at a time. <laughs> yeah. One at a time. And she can't be with any of the women. She has to be with a bunch of dudes. You know? Oh, that totally. I forgot the most important thing about, wow. Yeah. About Holdo. She's canon pansexual. Is she? Yes. Uh, it doesn't flat out say that she's like into everybody, but there's a, a they're, <laughs> they're talking about boys and they're talking about who they like in mm-hmm. um, the book. And she's like, well, it depends on like what you like with their eyes or if they have more than what, more than two eyes, if you're into this alien and that alien and this mm-hmm. alien. And then Leia's like, I pretty much only like white boys. Like she, <laughs> she just says I only like humanoid men. 
And Holdo is like, ooh, that's so limiting. I love that. Yes. Thank you for telling me that. That's fantastic. Holdo canon pansexual. <laughs> we She's love it. brilliant. The more we're talking about her, the, I'm just, she might be like one of my favorite characters. So I'm telling you. It's such a great discussion. They, yay. Yeah. The more you unpack, the more you're like team Holdo. She's got a exactly. maneuver named after her. Her look is completely matching nail polish. <laughs> you know that she's into Poe, but she's like, no. Don't she, do that. She's like, I know better. I know better. <laughs> Don't do that again. Don't do that again, Amelin. Not again. <laughs> Not another fly boy. <laughs> okay. Okay. And very last question. In okay. as little words as possible, what does Shit. Star Wars mean to you? hope and then we just like end it there yeah <laughs> <laughs> love that love that Yay. i always i'm always urging for people to say hope i think one person has so far but it just fits so nicely with the question <laughs> Yay! okay thank you so so much for coming of on the course. podcast do you want to like plug anything or let people know where they can find you on the internet oh i mean plugs uh uh, adopt animals. No, <laughs> that too. But yes, um, I'm on Twitter at Liz Marie M and you can find my writing on gamesradar.com. I write about video games, but I also did, um, all of this last season of the Clone Wars reviews and that's me. Don't find me anywhere else. Weirdos. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. And I hope you have a great day. Of course. I hope you do too. Thank you for having me.